Hey, guess what, Megan? What? I got a fever, and the only prescription is more tofu. (laughs) (laughs) You're in luck, my friend, because it's time for Vegan Vegan Radio! Vegan Radio! Last week, Vegan Radio produced an episode of the Pacifica Radio program, Sprouts. We called the episode The Vegan Cure, and we interviewed people who cured their illnesses with a whole foods vegan diet, as well as experts in the field of vegan nutrition. The show is available at veganradio.com if you haven't heard it yet. The episode was only a half hour long, so we have lots of leftovers from our interviews. You know you're jonesing for tofu. Our leftover sprouts might not sound that appetizing. We're going to add some of our own tofu, vegetables, and special stir-fry sauce until your belly starts sending us love letters and begging for dessert. We have some of the superstars of the vegan movement for you today, listeners. We've got Sarah Kramer, author of How It All Began, The Garden of Vegan, and La Dolce Vegan. And Alex Jameson, the vegan girlfriend and chef from the Super Size Me documentary. Dr. Ruth Heydrich, world-class vegan athlete and cancer survivor. And Dr. Ruza Bogdanovich, who goes around the world helping heal children with life-threatening diseases by teaching them the benefits of a raw vegan diet. We also have music from Demi Mond Slumber Party out of Eugene, Oregon, and lots of interesting stories to tell you about on The Naked News. So put on your sweatshop free organic vegan bibs and get ready to have your palate pacified, listeners, because it's going to be a great show. Ain't it, baby? Crazy! <laughs> I don't know where you come up with this stuff. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sarah Kramer from GoVegan.net, and you're listening to Vegan Radio. Hello, we're live at Evolution Cafe in Florence, Massachusetts. This is intro number three for show number 11. We recorded the show two times. The first time the recording didn't work at all. The second time we uh, went back to the station at midnight after all the DJs left and (laughs) redid the show. But I forgot to press record until we got to the naked news so malfunction (laughs) so our naked news and everything else was recorded at midnight on uh march 3rd the bare facts the turgid truth naked news only on vegan radio what do we got for the naked news all right we have something very disturbing seventh grader science project turns up some disturbing results from abc news Jasmine Roberts never expected her award-winning middle school science project to get so much attention, but the project produced some disturbing results. 70% of the time, ice from fast food restaurants was dirtier than toilet water. The Mm. The 12-year-old collected ice samples from five restaurants in South Florida, from both self-serve machines inside the restaurant and from drive-through windows. She then collected toilet water samples from the same restaurants and tested all of them for bacteria at the University of South Florida. In several cases, the ice tested positive for E. coli bacteria, which comes from animal excrement and has been linked to several illness outbreaks across the country. Both Roberts and Katz said that the ice is likely dirtier because machines aren't cleaned and people use unwashed hands to scoop ice. Pretty nasty. Toilet water. What's going on with that? I don't know. Toilet water is also surprisingly bacteria-free because it comes from sanitized city water supplies. You know, in New York State, they wear gloves when they serve things. It's true. What's the matter with Massachusetts? They don't do it here. I don't know. <laughs> Roberts got interested in the project after reading a newspaper article about bacteria in airplane water and decided to do something similar. 
Plus, she said, all of her friends chew on ice, and it drives her crazy. The restaurants also have taken notice of Robert's project. Two began new sanitary policies and have asked her to come back and do her tests again. First, they appreciated the project, she said, and one location even asked me to come back and test the temperature of their food. Our next story, Vegan Sues McDonald's Over French Fries from the Washington Post. And another fast food news, a professed vegan has filed a proposed class action lawsuit claiming McDonald's Corporation misled consumers into thinking its French fries are free of dairy and wheat products. Nadia Sujic of Los Angeles said in the Wednesday filing that she, quote, would have never purchased or consumed the French fries if she had known they contained dairy and were not vegan, end quote. The suit, which alleges unfair business practices by McDonald's, comes days after the company acknowledged that wheat and dairy ingredients are used to flavor its fries. The company had said until recently that its fries were free of gluten and milk or wheat allergens. This is not the first time McDonald's has lied, I have to tell you. Really? It's true. <laughs> Sujic sued on behalf of California consumers who avoid dairy or wheat products because of moral, philosophical, or health concerns and have bought McDonald's fries within the past four years. She's asking for the customers to be reimbursed for their French fry purchases, among other requests. That's not too much to ask. It's not, really. <laughs> McDonald's paid $10 million in 2002 to settle a lawsuit by vegetarian groups after it was disclosed that its fries were being cooked in beef-flavored oil more than a decade after insisting that it was starting to use pure vegetable oil. It paid another $8.5 million in February 2005 to settle a suit by a nonprofit advocacy group that accused the company of misleading consumers by announcing that it was changing its cooking oil and then delaying the switch. Do you think their fries have any potatoes in them? It's very doubtful. <laughs> <laughs> Probably made up just of uh, pure lard and animal grease. Remember in India when they were burning down the... Uh mcdonald's because of the beef in their fries i do remember why aren't we doing that here i think that would be bad uh-oh <laughs> all right our next story elephants on the edge fight back two years ago the people of bunyaraguru in western uganda would think nothing of cycling to the nearby township of katwe to meet friends and do business then one day a herd of elephants paid them a visit they came from the bush and knocked down huts and garden plots and left with nothing to show but a trail of destruction. Now elephants regularly block the road to Katwe, and villagers are too afraid to cycle past. Across Africa, elephants seem to be turning on their human neighbors in ever-increasing numbers. Although such attacks are nothing new, they've always been seen as a side effect of elephants competing for food and land, either as a result of population explosions or because people have encroached on elephant territory. But that may not be the whole story. Quote, elephant numbers have never been lower in Uganda, and food has never been so abundant. End quote, says Eve Abe, who studied elephant aggression in Uganda at the time of Bunyaraguru attack in 2003. There's no reason for this to be happening. In the 60s, elephant densities were very high, and there were few reports of aggression. Now the elephants are just so wild. It may sound far-fetched, but a growing number of scientists are lending their support to the theory that elephants are taking revenge on humans dun, for dun, years dun, of dun. abuse. <laughs> this is quite dun, a large dun, animal dun, to dun. take revenge to. Last I hope year, they don't, get, they don't get any kind of like guns or anything. Oh. <laughs> Cows with guns. If they get hold of some guns, we're in trouble. Last year, a group of eminent elephant researchers described an elephant breakdown occurring all over Africa, with elephants suffering serious psychological problems after witnessing the death of family members or being orphaned by poaching or calls. 
Elephants are well known for being intelligent, sociable, and affectionate. Females and their young live in tight matriarchal groups, forging strong social bonds that last a lifetime. And the poachers are well known for killing all the adults and leaving the children to watch. It's true. Calves learn the ways of the world. Down with poachers. Down with poachers. <laughs> Calves <Wow. laughs> learn the ways of the world from their mothers, aunts, and cousins, and most importantly, the matriarch, the most experienced female in the herd. Sadly, the days when elephants were left to live in peace are long gone. Since the 1970s and 1980s, when the ivory trade decimated wild elephant populations in Africa, poaching, culls, and translocation programs have made their mark on generation after generation. In Uganda, poaching has slashed elephant numbers in the Queen Elizabeth National Park, which borders Bunyaruguru by 90% over the past 30 years. Now only 400 animals remain, a third of them under 5 years old, and many of them orphans. Across the continent, many herds have lost their matriarch and have had to make do with a succession of inexperienced teenage mothers who have raised a generation of juvenile delinquents. I saw some of them on the uh, street corner the other you day. You did not. <laughs> they were smoking cigarettes. That's not all they were smoking. <laughs> Meanwhile, lack of older bulls has led to gangs of hyper-aggressive young males with a penchant for violence towards each other and other species. Joyce Poole, research director of the Mbosli Elephant Research Project in Kenya, says that elephants are certainly intelligent enough and have good enough memories to take revenge. She suspects the way... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> She suspects the way the authorities are dealing with the situation may be making it worse. Wildlife managers may feel that it's easier to just shoot so-called problem elephants than face people's wrath. So an elephant is shot without realizing the possible consequences on the remaining family members. Maybe they'll have to start shooting people so they won't have to face the elephant's wrath. (laughs) (laughs) And the very real possibility of stimulating a cycle of violence. Poole and her colleagues claim that many African elephants are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder brought on by experiencing stress at an early age. Experiments and observations of captive animals suggest that stress experienced during their youth can lead to neurological and behavioral changes that resemble stress disorders in humans. This could explain a suit of behaviors that have been common in captivity, but sadly now are becoming part of wild elephant behavior. That's a really sad story. Losing ground every year. Yep. Do you want to uh, take a break? <laughs> we have a we have a caller that needs to talk to Megan urgently. It seems like okay. I can play some music while you're gone. That sounds like a great idea. Let's see. Um, our musical guest, who we'll give is you a sneak preview, Demi Mond, Slumber Party.
And uh, we're back with Vegan Radio. Megan had a little um, crisis to take care of. and It's all over. It's all over, listeners. It's Let's not over. worry about we're it. We're not going to have any more mystery callers. No, no more mystery <laughs> callers. Mystery shoppers. I like those mystery shoppers. Did you ever see the advertisement? for? <laughs> Be a mystery shopper. No, you never saw No, that. I've never seen that. If you, you know, look in the back like the advocate or something, it's yeah. a, in the job help wanted. You know what I did see an advertisement for though? <laughs> these <laughs> little these little these little stairs that go up to people's beds so their dog can crawl up to their bed. Have you seen those? No. They're selling them for like thirty dollars. And they're just like these tiny little steps that Little dogs with short legs who can't jump up on the bed. They really? Get to, they, get to, they get to crawl, Why not crawl they just up make the stairs. A ramp or something. <laughs> well, this is like a, this is the like crisis of, kind of infomercials. Pulley. They should kind of have some kind of pulley system where you <laughs> pull your <laughs> pull your dog up in a little harness. Uh, you know, you know, a harness that goes around their whole body so they're not in any kind of discomfort. Of course. Hmm. Or you could have like a little. Perhaps platform. you could do that infomercial and make what some about money. Like a little elevator platform. <laughs> that's maybe like operated by a hand pump or something. I think we have to get back to the naked news. <laughs> I, I think that I, I think the chill in the air has gotten should, to Derek. I think we should it's always do his our brain show cells. late at night because we can, you know, we're more loopy at night and uh, might be a little more of a loopy. Show. Somebody's more loopy in general. Somebody. That's you. <laughs> Somebody's going to be in big trouble if you didn't watch your act. <laughs> <laughs> On to the next news story. This is a gross one. The FDA is urged to ban carbon monoxide-treated meat. The meat industry has quietly begun to spike meat packages with carbon monoxide. The gas gives meat a bright pink color that lasts weeks. The hope is that it will save the industry much of the $1 billion it says it loses annually from having to discount or discard meat that is reasonably fresh. I'm having to throw away, <laughs> throw away rancid meat. Rancid meat. <laughs> That's we re- could save a lot of money if people would eat this stuff. <laughs> That's reasonably fresh and perfectly safe, but no longer pretty. The so girl- are you stopping shop- shoppers tonight if you're looking at those red meat packages? <laughs> it's actually it, carbon it, it monoxide. It might be right out of your tailpipe <laughs> in more ways than one, if okay. you know what I mean. <laughs> okay. The, gr- the growing use of carbon monoxide as a pigment fixative is alarming consumer advocates and others who say it deceives shoppers who depend on color to help them avoid spoiled meat. Critics are challenging the Food and Drug Administration and the nation's powerful meat industry, saying the agency violated its own rules by allowing the practice without a formal evaluation of its impact on consumer safety. They say that carbon monoxide-treated meat should at least be labeled so consumers will know not to trust their eyes. Just like uh, bovine growth hormones should be labeled in dairy products. Mm, good input there, Derek. I know. Me. Me industry officials. You notice a lot of men growing breasts around here. Don't you? <laughs> yes, a couple close by, actually. Um, meat industry officials say color is a poor indicator of freshness as meat turns brown from exposure to oxygen long before it goes bad. When a product reaches a point of spoilage, there will be other signs that will be evidenced. For example, odor, slime formation. <laughs> And a bulging package. We all know about bulging packages, I, don't I we? I think the slime will just be pink when they add the carbon monoxide to it. So I don't think that the meat, like meat industry officials should be talking about <laughs> bulging packages. That's all that I'm saying. So uh, the product will not smell or look right, said Ann Beckman, a lawyer representing the meat industry. 
The U.S. market in case-ready meats, those packaged immediately after slaughter, eliminating the need for butchers at grocery stores, is approaching $10 billion and growing. Tyson Foods just opened a $100 million plant in Texas to churn out more case-ready, modified atmosphere packaged meats, Kay said. Modified atmosphere. That's a good one. <laughs> no one knows how much carbon monoxide-treated meat is being sold. The companies involved are privately held or keep that information secret. The European Union has banned the use of carbon monoxide. Of course they have, because they're always ahead of us, as a color stabilizer in meat and fish. A December 2001 report from the European Commission's Scientific Committee on Food concluded that the gas did not pose a risk, as long as food was kept cold enough during storage and transport to prevent microbial growth. As long as you don't eat it, it'll be fine. <laughs> but should the meat become inadvertently warmer at some point, it warned, the presence of carbon monoxide may mask visual evidence of spoilage. <laughs> scary. This is scary mm, stuff. I know. Our next story. PETA takes Barnum & Bailey to court. The, PETA. The owners of Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus hired undercover agents who conspired and tried to ruin animal rights groups, according to an attorney involved in a civil jury trial that began yesterday in Fairfax County Circuit Court. Feld Entertainment Incorporated, which owns the circus, is owned by a wealthy jerk named Mr. Feld. <laughs> Mr. Feld and his insidious Mr. company. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, this has turned into a, a comic book very, very quickly. That's some good writing in that article. <laughs> Mr. Feld and his insidious company began taking action against PETA and other animal rights organizations because the group's demonstrations were hurting ticket sales and income for the circuses. The company also produces Disney on Ice and produced the Siegfried and Roy show in Las Vegas before it shut down. <laughs> and listeners, do you Man know why it, do you know why it shut down? Because the animal that was being trained attacked Siegfried. The lawsuit charges that the Feld company mm. hired a former CIA operative to organize a spy operation to get inside PETA and take illegal recordings, confidential records, and employee tax and medical records. More generally, PETA contends that Mr. Feld and his insidious company <laughs> and his attorneys improperly impeded the lawsuit on multiple fronts. Improper impedance. <laughs> the suit was originally filed. You're out of order. The suit was originally filed in Fairfax County in May 2001, but proceeded at a snail's pace through the pretrial discovery process. In August, the judge sanctioned six of Mr. Feld's attorneys for contempt of court and interfering with the deposition. In December, a judge issued sanctions against Mr. Feld for failing to turn over evidence. Opening statements in the trial alluded to the consulting work done for Mr. Feld by Claire George, the CIA's former covert operations director. Mr. George was convicted of perjury for his role in the Iran-Contra scandal, but was later pardoned, of course, by the first president, George Bush. He must not have done anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. George gave a deposition in an unrelated case and acknowledged he did consulting work for Mr. Feld and helped oversee surveillance of various animal rights groups. Oversee surveillance. First he armed Iraqis and now he's after the animal rights movement. <laughs> What's next? What next, George? Mr. Feld's lawyer told the jury that the vast majority of Mr. George's work had nothing to do with surveillance of animal rights groups. I don't buy it. Do you see someone outside the window? Um, I don't. 
<laughs> but but uh, you're scared. I thought it was Mr. George. <laughs> but, but you're scaring me. <laughs> I thought I saw Mr. George out there. <laughs> Derek's making me a little paranoid here in the studio at 12 o'clock at night. But uh, we'll just move on. We'll move on. Terror makes for good radio. Yes. And speaking of terror, teens murder 24 cows. Two teens from Hickman County, Tennessee, are facing charges for shooting 24 cows, 11 of them unborn. The cattle owner, who would eventually have them killed anyway, is out thousands of dollars. They just wanted to see what shooting cattle was like. That's basically all you can say, says Hickman County Sheriff Randall Ward. He said the explanation doesn't justify what they did, but that it's the only explanation they've given. Police say a 14- and 16-year-old boy went hunting and then trespassed onto the farm. The farmer found some of his cattle dead while checking his pasture in the following day. The farmer claimed that 11 of the cows were pregnant and expecting calves, and two of them were calves. All of the animals were killed by gunshots. Some were shot twice or three times in the side. The farmer estimates his loss at twenty-five to 30000 and that doesn't include the value of calves the 11 cows were expected to produce during the next eight years. Sheriff, it's all about how much they're worth. Yep. Sheriff Ward says that he's seeing a great amount of violence among juveniles using weapons, guns, knives, or anything they have of real destruction. A family member notified the sheriff about the juveniles from Hickman County who are responsible for the cattle shootings. The 14-year-old is currently in DCS custody after escaping twice from state officials after his arrest. He was a wily little guy. Yep. Each teen is cited for criminal trespassing. Share the book, Adam. (laughs) Each teen, <laughs> is, in the head with it. each teen is cited for criminal trespassing and the intentional killing of an animal. So That's pretty sick. Yep. What do you think? You think, think do you um, think they need some major rehabilitation? <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, but just the uh, the value that our culture has given to cows is so is so low that you know that people can not be outraged by this and the kids can do it and probably you know I'm sure they didn't have the same kind of feeling they would if they were killing people, you know, they probably thought it was just, just a cow, you know? Yep. An inanimate object. Hmm. So and the farmer, you know, he was sad about his money, but he didn't really, he didn't you know, seem sad about the cows, did he? But yeah, we don't know like, the full story. So that story brought me down. You got a good one coming up. Hmm, I got a great one. Bavarians up to their knees in pig poop. (laughs) Oh, my favorite. I know. You love pig poop. A village in the German state of Bavaria is recovering after being flooded with liquid pig manure. A tank containing the fetid fertilizer burst, sending a deluge of porcine waste into the courtyards and streets of Elsa, police said. Wow, that almost sounds like a story, you know, you're reading or something. It's... It is a story I'm reading. (laughs) In fact, it is. It's a story I'm reading, Derek. I can't believe it. Like a news story, like a story, a fictional story somebody wrote. Sometimes Derek likes to compliment his own writing. I didn't write that. Oh. I copied it. Oh, I see. Verbatim. Oh. My bad. The sewage was almost two feet deep in places. The village was swamped with green-brown liquid. I did write the title, though. (laughs) The mother of all muck, police spokesman Rainer Prediger from... I wish I could take credit for saying the mother of all muck. From nearby Coburg (laughs) said, The tank held about 2,800 gallons of fertilizer, Reuter News Agency reported. It was not very pleasant for the villagers, Volker Monk of Coburg Police told the BBC News website. 
Officer Monk said the slurry ran down the main street, flooding the ground floors of several homes. Police estimated the accident caused damage that will cost about 100,000 euros to repair, Ruder said. Wow, that's a lot of poop. A lot of poop. <laughs> How are we going to not have the, these uh, poop explosions? I think we have to get rid of factory farms that have thousands of pigs concentrated in one little area. Yep. And that's the end of the naked news. You're gonna have to Say put it's your not clothes. So. You have to put your clothes back on. It is getting a little chilly. Oh yeah. You have to close that window. I think so. <laughs> now. I hope Mr. George is not. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. George. Mr. George, go away, please. <laughs> so, are we gonna play another clip from Demi Mon's slumber party? Yeah. Um. So we we should introduce them. Read our little. Uh, write-up we have about them yes our little write-up well they're female-led trio from eugene oregon with powerful vocals harmonies and playful intelligent lyrics their sounds an infectious blend of pop punk and 60s garage rock interspersed with haunting ballads and melissa lubovsky she's the singer songwriter and guitarist for demi mond melissa she cares deeply about animals and the environment and she never really liked to eat meat as a kid anyway um, she'd been mostly vegetarian since high school, but after experimenting off and on with veganism, she finally committed to veganism two years ago after attending the Animal Rights Conference in L.A. And Melissa was attending the conference as an employee of the Compassionate Traveler website, which is an animal advocacy site focused on travel. Uh, while working there, she wrote most of the articles for them and created a web database. And then she left, and the project was... Uh, originally directed by the International Wildlife Coalition, but has since been taken over by PETA. And also, Demi Mon's drummer, Kim Lindquist, she became vegetarian about a year and a half ago after Melissa sent her the Our Humans Carnivores webpage by Dan Perraro. And Perraro's a syndicated cartoonist who creates the comic strip Bizarro, and he's a dedicated animal rights activist. You should check out our show notes at www.veganradio.com for links to Dan Perraro, the compassionate traveler, and Demi Mond slumber party. If anyone is interested in what Demi Mond means, you should go to uh, wikipedia.org and look it up. Or call us here right now and we'll, get, <laughs> and we'll tell you the answer. Oh, and then we'll have to figure out the technology of the phone. All right, so we're going to play this music. There you go.
It's a bomb. It's a bomb. All right. That was Demi Mon's Slumber Party. So today's uh, show is going to... Um, last week we did a special show for the Pacifica radio program, Sprouts. Um, Called The Vegan Cure. Yep. And it's Sprouts is a half-hour program that lets a different uh, radio station in the Pacifica network produce a show every week. And we produced one called The Vegan Cure. We had some special guests on there that we interviewed. And since it was only a half hour, we didn't have time to put all of the cool stuff they said into that show. So this show is called The Vegan Cure Outtakes. <laughs> if you if you got like a DVD, this would be on the second side. Or It's very exciting. I know you're all excited. <laughs> and we I are going so. to... I think, I think this is a, the interviews that I... I'm interested in as a vegan, yeah. already knowing the health benefits. Yep. So I think we're going to start off with Dr. Bogdanovich. Um, she connects thoughts and mental atti- mental attitudes with self-healing, and she has a little bit, a little something oh, to say about that. we got to a little background that. on her. A little background? She's, yeah, we got to tell her how she... She, um, she has a PhD in well, nutrition. Well, she, she came to veganism through her son who... Um, one of her sons had polio and they she tried to cure, you know, different doctors and everything trying to help him and finally came upon a raw plant-based diet and that was the only thing that helped him and eventually he uh recovered from it and he only has a slight uh, limp in one foot now and now her and her sons go around the world helping children with different diseases by putting them on raw diets and and seeing amazing results. So you can hear about that on Sprouts. You can check out um, our Sprouts show at our website, www.veganradio.com. And um, if you want to hear the pre-story to all this that we're doing now. Um, so we're going to play Dr. Bogdanovich. You ready, Megan? I'm ready. Food is very important if we can absorb what we're eating. So in order to absorb what we're eating, we also have to be thinking good thoughts and we also have to have the system that works and it's back to nature and, and working, you know, according to the nature's laws. But what happens, I found out in my practice that I've been doing now for the last 25 years, is that some people cannot heal, but mainly adult children usually I have a pretty good success, almost 100%. But with adults, I'm finding that they cannot heal if they also have uh, some other psychological problems like holding grudges or like to give you an example, I had a gal that... Um, had a ovarian cancer and uh, she came to me several times and by the time I talked to into going on raw food diet, she looked into it more and decided to quit eating animal and taking shots and everything and went all raw. And and still her situation was getting better but not quite 100%. So I looked at her eyes and I said, listen, I said, this stuff is still here. I said, but there is one other thing that uh, that's really bothering uh, me. I said, is there anything that is really eating at you? Is there anything that is really bothering you, anything that you don't want to tell me, but you don't have to. But is there anything that you're not happy about? And then she started crying and she spilled the beans about her father-in-law and how she hated him. And, and I said, listen, I said, how can you hate your father-in-law? If it wasn't for your father-in-law, you wouldn't have your husband. I said, you have to let go of that. You just absolutely cannot hold any pain in your body, no matter whether it's a mother or father or brother, whoever did it to you, or your neighbor or President Bush, for that matter, you have to let go. Because 
you know, it even says in the Bible, you have to love them because they do not know what they do. I think people to heal, they have to have environment that is suiting, they have to have peace in their heart. You know, peace is our primary uh, objective in this life, to have peace. And if there's turmoil in the family or if there's disagreements or if there's anything like that, the body will not heal as well. Physically, it could, but mentally, mental and physical are one, you know, just like we're all one, we're all connected. And it has to be combined together, otherwise it doesn't work. So in this case of the lady that had a cancer, when I told her about her father-in-law, she started to cry, and I said, listen, if you talk to him and you tell him that you're sick and what's going on with you, why you're having these feelings, I'm sure that he will listen to you. And she said, well, how do I do that? I said, well, simply tell him, I have to love you for my own good. I said, remember, if you don't love someone, you're hurting yourself. It's not for your own good. So let them know that you're forgiving them. Let them know that you're releasing it. Let them know that you made a mistake even though you don't want to admit it. But let them know that you know, and then you're off the hook. And she did that. And her father-in-law became the best of friends, and she nursed him until he died. So she recovered 100%, and she's one of the biggest raw food uh, enthusiasts. So this is one part of healing that goes very well with a vegan diet. That was Dr. Ruza Bogdanovich. (laughs) I love that name. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it, Megzi? Not for you. Know, you've had to say it. You've had to. Pr- you've had to practice it a number of times, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of nuances to it. It's not just like a name like Joe Smith or something. Mm, yes, keep practicing, Bogdanovich. <laughs> Bogdanovich. We got another one coming up. Ruth Heydrich. Oh, that's nothing. Ruth Heydrich. Tell us about Ruth Heydrich, Megs. Ruth Heydrich. She is a 70 year old triathlon person triathlete triathlon person athlete whatever (laughs) same thing the listeners don't care (laughs) (laughs) it's true it's true i don't know what's happened to me but uh yeah she is a vegan raw foodist well her 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 story was that she um came down with cancer cancer came down with it sounds like she came down with a cold she got cancer cancer at age 47 And got rid of it by taking on a vegan diet. Going to see Dr. McDougall. Yep. Dr. McDougall back then had a um, plan. He was doing a test. What do they call that? Well, it was was experimental. (laughs) Experimental cancer therapy with a plant-based diet. Dr. Heydrich signed up for it. And she's here with us today. <laughs> she is. Oh. 20 years later, still alive. Oh, here with us in the bigger sense. Yes. I thought she was outside with uh, Mr. George. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play our clip from Ruth Heydrich, shall we? Well, this uh, first uh, clip we're going to play is her talking about tumor and her biopsy. The tumor, by the way, was over an inch in diameter. It was quite large and it had already spread to my bones and one of the lungs and as I've been followed the hot spots in the bones I just watched them fade within the first few weeks and the tumor tumor in my lung was encapsulated my body put scar tissue all around that tumor in my lung and it just sits there they could have removed it surgically but 
I was referred to six different doctors as they were trying to, this is, I'm going back now to 1983, and they were trying to decide what they were going to do with me. And I told them, my vegan diet is going to save me. And you, you can imagine what their reaction was, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, right, sure. <laughs> you know, diet, Americans are the best fed people on, the, on earth. How's it going to get any better? Anyway, uh, they did not want to do the surgery because it means cutting open your chest. And by the time I'd seen the sixth doctor, he's looking at my medical records saying, you have really been through the mill, haven't you? And I said, yes, I have. He said, well, the latest x-ray shows no increase in size in that tumor. So if you can live with the ambiguity of not knowing whether it's going to keep growing or stay the same size, we'll just follow it and see what happens. And then if it starts growing, we'll do something about it. In the meantime, let's just see, see what happens. So that's where I am today, actually. It has not increased in size. And this is, what, 24 years later? And uh, the bones are stronger than ever. All through my 50s, I was having bone density tests. And the bone density, believe it or not, because a lot of people don't believe it, I have the test to prove it, was increasing. So it, by the time I hit 60, I had denser bones than I did when I was... 47 at the time of the diagnosis and that's without dairy products no dairy whatsoever it's actually without any kind of, of milks because back in 1982 there weren't all of these fake foods that you find on the market and I don't eat any of those they're okay for people who need to transition I was scared because of this large tumor the medical gun to my head, I would have done anything that Dr. McDougall said. For others who are, you know, who don't have that medical gun to their head, who are just living normal day-to-day living that we, you and I, are trying to convince to quit eating animals because they're killing them, literally killing the people and killing the animals, that this is a far better way to go. Oh, I did have a biopsy in surgery, and... What they do is an excisional biopsy, which means they remove the whole lump. So it's a biopsy and the surgery at the same time. What had happened was they took a big chunk, a much larger than the one-inch size of the tumor, because I stayed awake for the surgery. I wanted to see what was going on. They found out that through the tissue sampling, they had not gotten it all. A month later, I had to go back and have more surgery. They removed the entire breast. And actually, for good measure, they took the other one. When they said you can have breast reconstruction, this is kind of funny aside, I'm thinking. You know, when women get to be 50 years old, you know what happens? Everything starts sagging. Sway. <laughs> they will never sag. So I was seeing the, the bright side of all this. And I'm going to have a matched pair that will be good forever. All right. That was Dr. Ruth Heydrich. Amazing. Amazing story. So Dr. Heydrich, um, she she works out like four hours a day or something. Well, she, two to four. Two to four. Oh, only two to four. And, and she's 70 years old. She eats raw food. <laughs> <laughs> and she eats a raw vegan diet. But and I mean, so, the the best, which... I don't know. My favorite part of her stories that she tells is that her bone density, which she just said, keeps increasing 
as she gets older. And everybody knows that, I mean, most people know, um, if they know anything about nutrition, that that is a huge problem for women is their bone density. As soon as they start, as they hit like 40, it starts to decrease. And they say you have, you have to have, exacerbates it. Right. But the, but doctors and everybody are like, you have to have dairy. You have to have dairy because you have to have the calcium to increase your bone density. And this woman, this woman, Ruth Heydrich, this doctor is obviously showing people that she's on a vegan diet, an actual, a vegan, uh, raw foods, vegan diet, and she's increasing her bone density, not losing it. That's two different things. You know, she eats a lot of leafy greens, which are very high in calcium. Right. And she does, you know. And the exercise. Yeah. Those are the things that people need for good bones. You got good bones, baby? I hope so. (laughs) So, uh, well, this this is an interesting clip from Dr. Heydrich. She's going to talk about how, uh, about her, what she actually eats every day. Uh, You know, one of the main questions we always get asked as vegans one of the main questions. <laughs> Can you say that for me? <laughs> what we deal with as vegans is the protein myth, and people are always asking, "Where do you get mouth. your Where do you get your protein? Where do you get your protein?" So she's going to address that in this clip. All right, here we go. So the basis of my diet really is leafy greens. My meals are made up in a large bowl, like a big salad bowl, and the base is about three or four inches of leafy greens. Now, I get to eat a lot because I exercise or train two to three, sometimes four hours a day. So I'm, I'm still you know, um, a huge exerciser. So all these greens, and then I add different fruits and vegetables. And you can just go through the produce section of farmer's market or green grocer or the produce section of the ordinary supermarket if you have to and get whatever appeals to you. The most colorful are the healthiest and just cut them up and throw them on this bed of leafy greens. I don't use any salad dressing per se. Uh, In the morning I use a little blackstrap molasses because I know how high in iron and calcium and all the other minerals that sugarcane has, which is actually a giant leafy green, and it's the sugar is taken out of it, so what's left are all the good parts of this giant leafy green. And then for my supper, I just use salsa, which is more tomato and onion, bell pepper, garlic, and that really flavors things up. And then for dessert, I have blueberries. I can't always get them fresh, so I use the frozen and in fact, I like the mixed berry packages that you can get, which have blueberries, raspberries, marion berries, any kind of berries, because they too are really high up on the list of nutrients. The most frequently asked question that people want to know, where do you get your protein? And I say it's in all plant foods. Plant foods have the right amount of protein. And most people ought to be asked, how do you keep from getting too much protein? Talking about my bone density, if you're on a high-protein diet, the body has to neutralize the amino acids. Amino acids are what make up protein. And acids acidify the blood, and your body cannot operate with acid blood. It has to be alkaline. For example, three or four ounces of fish has enough protein 
to change the pH of your blood. The body handles this by taking calcium from your bones to buffer the fish protein. Most people think fish is a health food or that lean chicken and lean beef are good for you. They are actually very bad for you. It's not just your bones, too. It's your kidneys that get destroyed. We're seeing drastically increasing rates of kidney dialysis, kidney transplants, because people are ruining their kidneys by eating too much protein. You're listening to Vegan Radio, www.veganradio.com. Go vegan, go vegan, go vegan. Um, next, we are going to um, play a clip from Alex Jamieson. Alex Jamieson, she is the partner. Partner. Well, she's but she just got engaged. And so. vegan chef. Yes, vegan chef of the person who did Morgan the movie. Spurlock. Morgan Spurlock. Morgan <laughs> uh, Spurlock. Who did me. supersize me? <laughs> where he went around for a month and ate fast food. Nothing but McDonald's. Yep. And she is his vegan partner who created a detox diet for him after he ate like that for the month. 30 days. Yep. And we yep. found out that they're getting married, which is very exciting. Congratulations. A vegan. Shout to out non- to Morgan ve- and Alex. Vegan to non-vegan connection. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that's what this clip is going to be about. Um, a, lot of, a lot of vegans get very worked up about you know, a vegan person dating a non-vegan person and Alex, you know, has to deal with some people asking her about that, I guess. So she is going to give an answer to all of you so you don't ever have to bring it up again. I have people ask me, you know, how is it for you to live with a meat eater and do you let him cook with your pots and pans and, you know, stuff like that. And actually, I'm, I think I'm very lucky because Morgan doesn't actually cook, so that's never even been an issue. But... um You know, I very much respect the fact that people are different and that everyone has a different path to follow to find their best health. Morgan definitely does ask me questions and eats vegan with me all the time, and then he will go and have something else. And, you know, he's an adult, and I love him, and when he does have health issues, he definitely does come to me and respects my opinion, but... You know, I don't have a problem with the people that I love doing things that they need to do. So we're all just human beings try to, trying to make our way and do the best that we can. I've cultivated a lot more patience and understanding. I think when I first started this whole vegan food odyssey that I'm on, I was a little bit more radical and uh, much more of a, a zealot about it. Radical vegan. Alex Jameson. Off her zealot path. Bad girl, Alex. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's very important to, um, you know. Keep your zealousness. <laughs> to, be, to be compassionate with people and, you know, think of how much uh, better he is eating than he would have if he didn't have Alex as his fiance. That's true. I'm sure Super Size Me has Just brought some actually, people over to the vegan movement. Oh, I, I hope so. Don't you think? Don't you think? You know who's bad? That guy from uh, Fast Food Nation, he still eats fast food and stuff. Yeah. Why'd he write the book? Well, you know, it was a paycheck. I'm sure that, that pushed a lot of people towards veganism too, but he's I think he's worse than Morgan Spurlock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but enough bad-mouthing. Enough bad-mouthing meat eaters. Who do we're we here got? To, we're, we're here to share the love. 
Yes. Who do, who do we got, d We got Sarah Kramer. Everyone's been waiting for Sarah All right. Kramer. Bring her on. Um, <laughs> our first clip from Sarah, she is going to talk about how um, she came to create the amazing How It All Began cookbook, and which became a trilogy, How It All Began, Garden of Vegan, and... La Dolce Vegan. La Dolce Vegan, in which she is now solo. She used to have her friend Tanya the co-author of her first two books. And, and now they are no longer together. And vegans everywhere are wondering what happened to Tanya. Uh, my first cookbook that I wrote with Tanya Bernard is uh, How It All Began, and then the sequel is called The Garden of Vegans. And now with Adulto Vegan, I've moved on to a solo career. Originally, um, How It All Began was a little homemade zine that we made ourselves. And we sold it on the internet and at punk rock shows and stuff. I think it was like $3, and I think it was maybe 50 pages or something. Um, just a tiny little little homemade zine. And then um, it took off. Like we sold, I don't know, like over a 1,000 of them. And we're like, oh, I think we're on to something. And so I wrote a little cheeky book proposal, and, and we got a book deal like three days later after I popped it in the mail, which, you know, never happened. <laughs> so it was just an amazing thing that happened. My goal with them was just to make it easier because sometimes it's overwhelming. Um, and also, you know, most people are really busy with jobs and kids and boyfriends and girlfriends. And the less time you have to spend thinking about what you have to eat and is better. And so that's why I wrote, wrote the book, so that you could just come home and sort of flip through and find something and make a good quality, healthy meal that still tasted good. Tanya um, is um, uh, pursuing a career in nursing, so she's doing that. And we've actually sort of separated in terms of our friendship, and um, we haven't really spoken for, for quite a while. So the thing that I, I want to say about it is, you know how people say don't go into business with your friends? It, it's true. It's, it's really difficult to separate friendship and business sometimes, and it, and it puts a real strain on the relationship. And so, unfortunately, that's what happens. Okay, and that's Sarah Kramer. We have one little last bit from her. She is going to tell us about, she was recently in the Herbivore magazine, which... Derek's favorite vegan magazine. It, hey, no, Joe Connolly might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorites. One of my top two. It's, yeah, it's definitely geared more towards like artists and, uh, you know, kind of the vegan culture of punks and all those crazy vegans that we love. Their new issue is the new face of veganism and they do um, stories about well, I guess Sarah Kramer's going to explain how the interview went. <laughs> Take Megan's, it away, Megan's Sarah. Megan's not going to give any good input on this one. You got anything to say, Megs? No, I just want to hear what Sarah has to say. All right. So the latest issue of Herbivore was pretty good. You were in there. Um, oh, yeah, that was You're great. in every issue, but in this this one, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is well, that, Sarah? Well, she's got a Well, I write, I, write an, I write an article every every issue for Josh, and, and oh, okay. I, I love what he's doing with the magazine. Um, and then this, this issue, it just, Issa interviewed me, and I interviewed the vegan freaks, and then the vegan freaks interviewed Issa. Issa. Little herbivore menage a trois. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like a love triangle, I think. Maybe, yeah. It was fun. <laughs> it was cool. So Issa's new book seems to be... Um, the new how it all began or something that's really getting popular i haven't seen it yet i i have just been so focused on on promoting my book that i i haven't even had a chance to take a look at it so i, I really got to go get a copy of it and take a look at it because I, I hear it's fantastic yeah we i don't i haven't made any of the recipes myself i think megan have you done some cupcakes out of there i've done um a number of muffins and most of them have been really good 
So oh, I'm that's okay. them. That's well, <laughs> you know, like as you know, with a cookbook, not everything. You know what I mean? You can't ever get a hundred percent because there's just going to be different ovens and like. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I find I mean, every, that I find that everybody like, cooks differently. Yeah, and I find that with recipes, where like with you know, I'll take one cookbook and say I'm looking at different cookbooks. It could be that it's got a certain amount of flour in each of the recipes, but because of whatever where I live or whatever, something to do with my flour, like it's a lot more, it's or a lot less, or so it's just like tweaking stuff, and you know, I I'm it. sure you well, know. Everyone measures differently. Everyone, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's 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 uh, and especially with baking, it's chemistry, and so you got to get all your you got to get everything sort of perfect um, yeah. in order for it to be a, a good product. But you know, a little tip that I try and I'm trying to change the world here. Here's a little tip that everyone needs to know: is that when you're baking, you need an oven thermometer, not the thermometer that's in your oven that tells you that it's 350 degrees, but like mm. a standalone oven thermometer. They're like three or four bucks at the hardware store because, like, my oven is off by 25 degrees, and that's a big yeah. difference when you're baking. Yeah. My friend Donna, her her oven is off by 50 degrees. So oh my gosh. It's, it's really, really important to have that in um, oven thermometer in, in your yeah. oven. And everybody I know who writes me and says, oh, I had a problem with this or I had a problem baking that, I'm like, get an oven thermometer, and they write me back and say that their oven is off by a huge amount. So it makes a big difference. Wow. Yeah, I think I did actually read that in your – you put that in La Dolce Vegan, right? I did. Yeah, and I, I, can't I read stop that. talking about it. I want yeah, and I still haven't done it. <laughs> well, I have right. an I'm working with an industrial oven, but I know it would still be a good idea. Yeah, you never know. I mean, and the internal thermometer that comes in the oven sometimes, you know, they're just whatever, just by um, virtue of moving the moving the oven to a new spot or whatever, it can just mess around with with what's going on inside. Yeah. So get yourself to a hardware store. All right, on the double. So do you feel like there's room for two uh, post-punk women in the? Vegan cookbook scene. Oh my god! <laughs> there's room for more than two. I know. Oh my god! There's room for everybody. I Are you know. kidding me? I'm just trying to raise some controversy. Here. <laughs> <Derek>. <laughs> you, want me, you want me to start talking like Hulk Hogan? I'm going to take her down. <laughs> Actually, that was more like Macho Man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I thought that was really cool that you guys interviewed each other and. Uh, so yeah, it was really neat. It was a, it was a really fun way to do it. And you know, Josh is lazy. He didn't want to do any of the interviews. Yeah. So he just left. Us. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, we got it on here. Us. We got it on here. We got it recorded. <laughs> I hope Sarah's not recording us. Maybe <laughs> 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 I got my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will. You've already got the blog and uh... Oh my blog is taking off and like it's like a uh I was just doing it for my book tour, and people were like, now that you're home, you have to keep doing it. I was like, really? Okay. So funny. It's just taking off. I heard the vegan freaks said they're going to interview you, too, so we got to... Yeah, I'm doing an interview with them on uh, Saturday, actually. Uh-oh. we got to get our podcast out first. <laughs> yeah, you better hurry. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, <laughs> do you want to say anything about the tattoo shop? Uh, well, the tattoo shop's going great. Um, we're open Monday to Friday. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> What's the name of it? Uh, the name of the tattoo shop is Tattoo Zoo, and you can visit it at tattoozoo.net. And my husband is the, the main tattoo guy there. And then we have um, and he's Jeremy. A vegan. He's the, the, vegan, the vegan master. The vegan master. <laughs> master. Vegan king. Yeah. <laughs> 
Were you vegan when you met? We were vegan. Yeah, when I met him, he's like, hey, I'm vegan. I was like, hey, I'm vegan. We're like, woo! Because I dated um, other people who weren't vegan before. And, man, it can be really, really tough. So, yeah, that was a total. Oh, totally. It was was a total bonus when I I met him. Yeah. That was uh, that. He put it in my good books right away. (laughs) Plus, he's so cute. Yeah. (laughs) And he makes tattoos. We're about to celebrate our, our 10th anniversary, actually. Wow. So has know, he done done most of your tattoos, or have you had him done in other places? Um, he's done a fair bit of my tattoos, yeah. And um, I've had some work done from from other guys who work at our shop. And um, my friend uh, Roberto did a, a tattoo on me in the summer. And yeah, I love getting tattooed by other people because <laughs> Jerry and I fight when he tattoos me oh, uh, really? for whatever. Well, he he feels bad that he's inflicting pain, and I think he's mad at me. And so I'm like, "Are you mad at me?" He's like, "No, are you mad at me?" And then I'm like, "Just tattoo," and then it just turns into this whole thing. So yeah, <laughs> but we make we make it work. <laughs> so how, how much real estate you got left on your skin? You got still some. Oh, places. I got a lot, my yeah. darling. I got a lot. <laughs> I have a lot left. Still got some yeah. tattoos to come. And, you know, it's funny, like, the older I get, the more uh, it hurts. So the less I, mm. I'm inclined I am to sit in the chair. And, and um, plus the fact that um, with the, now that we own the shop, we're just so busy. And Jerry's way busier now, so there isn't a lot of time for me to get tattooed anymore. So now that you're done with your um, tour, are you thinking about another cookbook or are you going to take some time off? Um, I am not thinking about another book <laughs> right now. Um, I made the uh, La Dolce Vegan super big on purpose so that I could just chill out and just let people enjoy that book for a while. Um, I have a lot of projects in mind that I want to I wanna do. Um, I've been writing a novel for the last five years, off and on in between the cookbooks, really? and I really, I just finished it last summer, and now I really want to concentrate on re-editing it because um, it just needs uh, more attention, and so I want to give it some attention. Is it and a memoir? Is there some vegan Sorry? characters? Is it a there? memoir? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll I'll tell you about it later once I get more. Um, uh, you're one of those people. You don't talk about it. <laughs> can, uh, can I don't. You... I don't want to talk about it yet. I don't have. You know what it is? I don't have a blurb for it yet. I don't know how right. to like. I can't give you like a one sentence description or. But is there uh, any? Is there any vegan characters or vegan message in it? Is there it... is a vegetarian character, yes, but no. It's it has it doesn't really have anything to do with veganism. It's more about. Um, uh, growing up and learning that there's consequences for your actions, either positive or negative, but there's always a consequence for your actions. So that's sort of what it's about. It's a karma book. A little bit. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. And a life learning lesson. I don't know. I can't. Don't ask me to describe it. Oh, I don't. I, <laughs> just, I just wanted to know if there was going to be some vegan characters. There. There's a vegetarian character, yes. And I'm painting the tattoo shop, so I got to <laughs> I gotta do that. It's so, yeah, it, our shop is huge. It's like, 2,000 square feet or something, and i got to paint the whole thing. All right, that was Sarah Kramer. And that's the last interview we have for you. Megan's very happy because she's getting sleepy. <laughs> getting sleepy? Like, I'm practically snoring on air. What are you talking about? Oh, man. <laughs> well, it wasn't because of Sarah Kramer. She's very interesting. Yes. No, it's not because of Sarah. Um, so thanks for joining us for another episode of Vegan Radio. And to find out more about anything we talked about on the show, be sure to check out our show notes at www.veganradio.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Vegan Cure episode we produce for Sprouts on Pacifica Radio. All of the episodes on Vegan Radio are available on our website, and um, you can 
Also subscribe to the Vegan Radio Podcast and the uh, show will be delivered fresh to your computer every two weeks. And while you're at the website, check out our show forums and sign up for our email list so you can keep up with the latest news and happenings. <laughs> we have forums set up for you to share news stories with us and have a further discussions about topics we cover in the show. So let us know you're out there listening, please, and what you would like to hear about on our future shows. We also encourage podcast listeners to write us to review at the Apple iTunes Music Store and uh, any other podcast site you might be a member of or frequent. Um, we'd like to thank John Dufault and Ricky C. for their reviews at the iTunes Store. That was really great of you guys. Vegan Radio is a production of Veganica.com, and all content is copyrighted. Feel free to share our shows with your friends, but if you want to steal them for your own nefarious purposes... You better watch out because the vegan police will find you. <laughs> That's right. We'll see you all in another two weeks for another episode of Vegan, vegan Radio. This is the third edition of the 11th show intro. The first time we tried to do it. This is the third edition of our show 11 intro. The first time we tried to do it, uh, Megan screwed up the recording device. And then the second time we tried to record, uh, we came back to the station after midnight, after all the DJs had left, and we broke in and we um, recorded the show again. But unfortunately, Megan forgot again to hit record, so it wow. didn't until I'm really the... down on myself for all these things that I've done. Fortunately, it wasn't Derek, because then I'd have a much harder time accepting it. Uh, so we're sorry for all Megan's guffaws, but <laughs> we know you still love our listeners. <laughs> Listeners, guffaw actually means laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're Perhaps sorry. We'll get a dictionary for Derek. We're sorry about your laugh <laughs> and your gaff. <laughs> we're sorry about your laugh and your gaff, baby. <laughs> Cut. This is um, <laughs> this is the third recording of the. Oh Derek, <laughs> Derek, that part I think you should do on your own at the office so that you can get a better. Okay, listeners, pay no attention to that <laughs> clown in the background with their big clown lips. <laughs> this is recording number three of show 11 intro, because the first two times we had some tough... <laughs> we had what? Technical difficulties. Uh, we went into the... After our first attempt at recording, the show was thwarted by bad... Um, what was it? Bad machinery. Bad machinery, and then the, then we went in after midnight and broke into the station and uh, recorded our show all over again for all the drunk listeners. And um, Megan forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I had no idea. Until the naked news. So the intro the intro is um, done live at Evolution Cafe, and everything from the naked news oh. onward was recorded on midnight on February third. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Love you, listeners. <laughs> she doesn't love you like I do. <laughs>